the heat, the beer. Yeah, it'll put it you. was Corona extra 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 read all about it <laughs> trying to place this thing in a good spot so it picks up yo i forget i started watching uh spider-verse today what the what Spider-Man? black spider-man yeah with my own best spider-man movie ever yeah no no doubt ever so in the very beginning they even addressed like the really whack like that little dance thing Brady. i know they're like we yeah. don't talk about that no <laughs> one talks about that <laughs> oh it was amazing oh my god i didn't even see the whole thing but like i've been trying to get a lunar watch it forever i own it it's on itunes i own it too now on dvd DVD. Like antique. Yeah. What the hell is a DVD? So when iTunes, uh, you know, uh, becomes antiquated. Oh, when, when the system crashes and nothing's left. Yeah, and you'll find an old dusty DVD player in the rubble. And you won't be able to in. plug it up because of no electricity. Ha. I'll get a hamster on so the wheel. So I hope you have the comic book somewhere stashed. I'll, 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 get, a, I'll get a Nubian uh, person. A Nubian to, person? To run on a bike. To hit the bike. Oh, Jesus Christ. We'll go through the history. Okay. <laughs> Don't record that. Edit that out. No, it's there now. You told me to start recording. I was oh. recording and you went straight for racism. Oh, uh, well. As racist do. Yeah. <laughs> well, my evil twin brother is going to run away now. <laughs> Good thing about podcasts. Right. You can say whatever you want. Did no, my evil twin brother just run out the door? Room. Okay, yeah. now, me, Mark Kovarelskin, the one and only. I'm back. He's back. Oh, he's, he's gone. Back. That guy, you'll never see him again. <laughs> so, so, Mary. Yes. Uh, I start from the beginning. Like, what you are your turn ons, turn ons? Why? What so you, you you go from racism to sexism for like two seconds. Yup. Be serious, goddamn. Okay. Okay. So. Goddamn. As far as I know, you are a very young and let's say successful artist in Duluth, Minnesota, who has. I would say young and somewhat, or no, very successful and somewhat young. She's getting old, bro. <laughs> very successful. No, I just mean in a sense that uh, from what I've seen, you've been able to uh, really enter community and use it for your benefit and the benefit of others. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not for the benefit of others? <laughs> I mean, I guess it More so than probably any other artist, you know what I mean? Yeah. You being modest, don't be modest. She's Brag serious. about yourself. Say, I'm amazing. I do this shit. I do stuff. <laughs> I'm going to just speak for you. Where, 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 right? where does your story begin? Like, where? Um, how do you get into all this stuff? It's been a lot of interviews this week. I'm just like... Really? <laughs> <laughs> tired of yeah. interviews? Yeah. I've done like five this week, and then this morning I did one for the History Channel, and they pissed me off. <laughs> Why? Because they kept asking me to reword my answers. No. So they kept saying, like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but can you say it like this? And I'm like, no, I can't. There's a reason I'm not saying it like that, because you want me to say what everybody else says. So well, the story well, begins. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to tangent. Don't worry. Um, no, you're not going to anything. Be as vulgar and mean as you want. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to start, like, professionally or personally? or There's a lot of different... Personally, and then bleed into professional. Oh. Yeah. What are your motivations? Share your soul. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about infiltrating the grant world a little bit. That's what, I mean, that's really what we want. We're, 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 we're leaning into that. I can just dive right in. I haven't talked about that this week yet. <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> All right. You're a mysterious person. I mean, everybody, I'm not mysterious, go listen to another interview. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. Um, There's a lot of new so, uh, so Give me a specific question with a specific date and context, like where were you on April 2nd, 1996, because I wasn't born, well, I was born in 94. Born in 94? God damn, I'm old. Jesus Christ. Okay, so, I'm fine. Grant stuff, are, are you still on any boards? I just this is my um, this is my official exit from the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council after 
I joined up with them when I was 18. So whenever that was. Oh, Jesus. Like a ball. Six years ago, five years ago, I started on the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council, and that's probably where I got most of my background in grant writing and nonprofit stuff, because I was still, I think, in college. Yeah, I was in college when I started on the board. So, so what was that like getting in there? It was interesting because I applied for the so I applied for the public relations intern. I had no opportunities in my life. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wasn't going to go to college, and then I ended up in college because I was lonely. And I was like, "There's people." There. <laughs> I think there's people in that building. I need social interaction. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's a kind of expensive way to make friends. Yeah. Right. Every, right. Exactly. Oh well, if we backtrack, you know, if you want part of my life story, I grew up isolated <laughs> in the middle of the woods with a lot of mental health stuff going on in my household and a lot of just. Is that why you like cats? Oh, probably. Don't, don't get personal now. It's too late. No, yeah. I'm just like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Past that. <laughs> yeah. So, grew up in the middle of the woods. Isolated from people, got my first art show at ACO around the time that I joined the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council and around the time I started college. All those things just kind of happened at once because I was at a point where I was just like, I really need to get people because I just got out of high school and that was my only people time. Yeah. My whole life was school and that was it. And then after I got the first art show, you know, I realized art brought people to me and art shows are like a big party. So I was like, okay, I can connect with people after all this stuff that I made in my solitude. My interest in art is what made me want to get the internship at the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council. They didn't take me as a, as the student intern, but they did ask me to serve on their board because I was a visual artist and they were looking more for someone with better graphic design skills and stuff like that, which now is what I do, because I got better at it. Okay. <laughs> but it was good for me, because it was like, you sit in these meetings, right, and they do like Robert's Rules of whatever, right? Um, Robert's Rules of meetings or whatever. Who the hell is Robert? I don't know, he wrote a book about how to do a meeting, so you're like, I'm calling this meeting into action, and then... Does someone want to make a motion? I make a motion to do this. How many people say I? Blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. So I entered this scene where people are talking like this, and I'm like, do they legitimately, is this how they talk to each other? And right. do I have to say I? Like, yes. I. <laughs> feel like a pirate. Right. <laughs> and so um, I remember not knowing, pretty much in all the things that I've gotten into, I pretty much. I feel like I just plunged into stuff, not knowing what I was doing or how to talk or what to do. Yeah. And I just sat there and I was quiet for probably the first, at least two years of serving. I didn't really say anything. Cause I was just like, I don't know what to say. Um, and I think there was kind of this idea that like, she's a kid and we don't know how to talk to her. So we're just gonna, you know, let her vote and do, do her stuff. <laughs> And so I just observed. You're like Anakin on the on the Jedi Council. <laughs> <laughs> we, we grant you a seat on this council, but we do not grant you the rank. Oh. Yeah. So I just spent a lot of that time observing. It was interesting because there were some. It was like it was pretty much an all white board, and like all from really similar backgrounds. And whenever there'd be like a native application, which were there were very few at the time, it would kind of be like, look to the native girl. What do you think? And I'm like. <laughs> Well, I was kind of isolated, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about people in general, <laughs> but I can give you some background. Um, is this authentic native, or is this yeah. one of those appropriate natives? Or uh, one native of the one of the guys who was a professor at the university serving on the board made the comment one day that like kind of struck me a little bit weird, and he was saying how one of his students opened a poem with like my quarter of a lifetime of experience because it was like a 25 year old right in their poem and he was like he's 25 what kind of experience could he have in life and I'm just sitting there like have you ever like met anybody outside of your social class your social bubble like (laughs) the majority of people in the world by 25 I feel like have experienced enough trauma enough like everything you know so something should have happened like (laughs) got shot or yeah, or something. No. But he lived a sheltered life, so he was just like, 25 is just when you go to college and do your privileged, you know, <laughs> you party a little bit, and whatever. 
So I kind of might realized. rape a girl behind a dumpster or something. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! Too soon. But is, that, is, that, is that 16 or 17? <laughs> you, that's you, that's probably, you probably done a lot of those by 25. That's right? frat life, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Academics, man. But that was kind of the perspective on young people, and so since serving on the board, like once we started getting a new board that filtered in, and they started getting more artists of color who were applying because it was mostly my friends who I was like, hey. There's a bunch of money right here. <laughs> like, you can apply. I don't think anybody is applying for this one. You know? I'm a vote for you. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I was a fair. I was a fair person. If your friend applied and had some whack, like, BS idea, you were like, uh. Well, I learned. I learned early on because I'd sit out when I knew somebody because I thought that was a conflict of interest. But then I realized everybody on the board knew somebody, and it's, usually there were white people, and so that's how the white people were getting all the grants. So I was like, I'm not going to sit out anymore. Okay. <laughs> like I think this is the only reason I'm serving on the board is to get you know other people. Wouldn't you say that's how the system may perhaps turn someone corrupt who's working from within to change it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So do you think like since you've been on the board, like? affected change within the board? I think so. I mean, I got to um, sit on the, the committee that hired the new executive director because the old, uh, older executive director retired. And that was interesting because we had a native applicant and then, you know, Drew Digby, who's the current executive director that we chose, and he's, you know, a white guy, middle-aged, you know. And it was a little bit of a conflict for me because when the, we did the interviews, the native woman did... She was cool, but she didn't have the vision. Okay. And so it was a struggle for me because I was like, this would be great. We'd have a Native American executive director. But at the same time, Drew talked, and I was like, he could get this stuff actually, like, done. Right. You know, and he has, since becoming executive director, like, transformed every single program to where it's not just, like, we're going to designate a program only to people of color, and that's the only program they apply to. He was like, we should be funding people of color and people in greater Minnesota in every program. And the fact that there's disparities means that the programs don't work, so we're going to change it. So we do take into consideration people's ethnicity, and we do take into consideration people's, like, backgrounds. And if at the end of it we have, like, five white people from St. Louis County getting funded, we can vote to get rid of some of them and give it to a high-scoring person of color or a person who's got a disability or a person who, you know, wouldn't ordinarily get the funding, you know? So, uh, is, uh... Background and demographic, like, a key factor in securing a grant? You know, I think there's a shift towards it being considered more because a lot of places realize that they just weren't funding anything that included any person of a different background other than the mainstream. So they were being biased. Yeah, and I think there's recognition that's building, um, partly because there's, maybe a shift in more people of color and low-income folks serving on boards and stuff. Right. But it's hard because it's like it's a lot of the time the same people serving and then they get stretched really thin. So another thing Drew is doing on the board is creating a position that's a paid position for a person of color and they would be the only paid board member. Um, and that is just, and it's, it's kind of under the, the title of a fellowship, right? So you would have full voting rights. Right. And you would just be a person who, like, would be able to learn to navigate the system and bring that back to your community. Mm. So kind of what I've been doing all along. For free? Yeah. They decided to pay. Yeah. Once I leave. <laughs> yeah. And like, what you did was great. You like to pay someone else to do it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I feel funny. like that was kind of what my role there was, was just like, here's all the newspapers that you don't read from different reses, and here's all of the community centers that you've never visited, and suddenly now, like, they see these places, and a ton of our artists at ECO have been funded, and it's just been this total shift in who's getting money. So, would you say, like, from, is it competitive? How competitive is it? Is it like you got a thousand people applying, a hundred? Is it like ten? It varies. It varies by the grant program, honestly. But the interesting thing, like, I'm gonna just start talking outside of ACO or ACO, not ACO, Iraq, because because okay. I've spent uh, 
just gotten tons of money from other foundations and written to other foundations for my actual job and then as an individual artist. And the one thing that I've learned about just the whole, like the spirit of the times in, in grant funding right now is that people are being called out for not funding people of color and not funding Greater Minnesota. And so a lot of the time, like if your words are good and exciting and I don't know, I, I always, the opportunities that I've been navigating right now for myself and for other people, I'm always looking for like, what are the odds that there's someone from Duluth applying? Because Duluth counts as Greater Minnesota, and right. a lot of grants go down to the Twin Cities, but there's also people who are like, why does all the money go down to the Twin Cities, and then the rest of Minnesota doesn't get any funding. So now funders are looking at Greater Minnesota and be like, how do we fund people out here? How do we kill two birds with one stone? Because we also need people of color. If you're a person of color living in Greater Minnesota and you apply for a grant, they're like, hallelujah, we get both of these check marks on our, you know, what we're supposed to be funding, and then it reports really well. So do you feel like there's like a, what, how can I word this? Is there like, like a vacancy here in Duluth that no one is feeling? Like, are there people, do we have the artists in Duluth, Minnesota? Or I, think we have, I, think, I think we have a lot of artists here. Like, plenty of artists who need to get funded. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it's just knowing the lingo of how to write about it and how to make it a compelling story. Okay. Because um, also, if you think about it, you're si sitting on a panel, and I've sat on the State Arts Board, I've sat on ARAC, I've sat on the Minnesota Historical Society, like, a few different places. And you read through, like... At least 40 grants for a grant round, because that's like the maximum humanly possible in a couple of weeks. Right. So you're reading through 40 grants, and each of them you have to look at people's work samples and rate everything by criteria and read all the stuff that they have to say. The people who don't write things that are compelling or different or that make you just feel good reading them, right. they end up like your shot at getting the money is just up, a little bit up to fate. Right. Part of it is just, you know. You just have to. So, so what's compelling? Is it like inspiring things? People tell their life stories, or mm -hmm. you want something short or sweet? You gotta have a theme, like a thesis for the whole thing, and it's gotta be different. <laughs> That's fucking distracting. <laughs> Did you give him crack before? <laughs> you can't. It, it opened up your chakras. Yeah, I think the other was did something to my my white jeans. <laughs> Like I, this just opened you up? Yeah. You stopped smoking? Yeah, I did. I you, haven't smoked a cigarette in eight days. You went days. out in the woods? It's I been eight days. Sure, yeah. <laughs> He's getting whiter and whiter. <laughs> so, guys, oh, you guys want to get some guacamole from the Woods Co-op? Hell yeah. We can get avocados and make the guacamole. This is granola? Yeah, so an overarching theme, because um, they have to, I don't know, an overarching theme, like a lot of people who sub who share their grants with me when I'm reviewing stuff because I help people edit a lot. A lot of the, like the biggest thing that I hate as a panelist and as someone who's helping edit is when people reference the human condition as their sort of theme. Like I do art to express the human condition or dive deeper into the, the human, human condition. condition. Boo! Yeah. So everybody does that. Like if you read like 80% of grants that you read as a panelist say something about the human condition, which is fine. I mean, everybody does that, but then if everybody's doing it, is it really that special and do you really want to waste words saying that's already saying something that's already like inherent to the to the thing. Right. You know? So that's the like of course you're doing that to express your You're an artist you're a person, and a human. You're a person who breathes and you suffer of well, a condition of being human. It yeah. Hurts. Um, another thing that's super, that my strategy with grant writing is, is like the boring stuff, the number stuff, it's required for us to look at the boring number stuff, like how are you going to evaluate this and blah, 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 but make that really short and list it out, just do a bullet point list of like, okay. here's the boring stuff, so then they don't have to look for it when they're trying to evaluate stuff, they just see it there, and then spend the rest of your time crafting a story about, you know, why something is exciting or important to you. Because then most of the reading that they do is stuff that uplifts them, makes them feel kind of excited, and makes them feel like they're a part of something really cool. And then... We're funding the next big thing. They we are yeah. so cool yeah. and helpful and to then these they can amazing just people. Check, check box all the stuff that was required. So I always make the required stuff really brief because if you answer all the questions, they can't score you 
they, they can't underscore you. Like, right. you're competitive if you answer all the questions, which a lot of people don't do because they're too busy saying, like, the human condition and my emotions and it's therapeutic to do art and all of this stuff that's just like, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're all artists in this room. That's good to know. <laughs> Say it again. So, Because uh, they're humans. They're, right. At the end of the day, they're humans and they're volunteers. Boards and panels are volunteers, right. so they're not getting paid to read your stuff, so you better make it a little bit entertaining for them. <laughs> so is it uh, beneficial to know people on the board? Are there ways to grease the wheels, you know? Bribery. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no. It's kind of hard. I mean... It depends. I mean, always, and on the boards that I sat on, that's been a conversation about, like, what if you know the person and, like, you don't know them well, but you go and you support their concerts or you go to their poetry readings or you look at their art and you really like their art and so you go to the shows but you've never met them. Right. Like, you're a fan. Right. And it's made an influence on your life. There is, that is a continued conversation that I don't think they'll ever resolve from the standpoint that like you want people who know the art scene and who are embedded in it to serve on your boards. Right. Otherwise, you're getting people who don't know anything about the community right. involved. But at the same time, personalities play into, I think, that. Because if you have a person who's like really like advocating because they're a huge fan, you know, I've sat on panels where it has been a little bit annoying when someone's, you know, advocating nonstop for this person to get the money and I'm like you're the only person in the room that knows this person. <laughs> robot time. The robot cat theater. Okay. So that I don't have to be the cat. Oh the future is now. I'm so happy. <laughs> the, the cat's happy? Yeah. <laughs> He's like yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you robot. These humans are worthless. <laughs> Damn they got they got uh, Trump's boots. Wait, what? <coughs> I'm betting I ever see you rock walking around in trunks and boots. <laughs> they look like Pikachu boots. They do, but yeah. Dragon Ball Pikachu, Pikachu, Pikachu whatever. Yeah, there's some like dude I know who's like a legit crumper who's like, yeah. He's like, he wild reacts. He's like, oh, oh, you those. We crumping in some trunks boots. <laughs> so, uh, since you, like, what what kind of art funnels through, through most of it? Um. I don't know. I guess this is like that question that the interview asked me earlier that made me mad. Oh, <laughs> they asked me like, what kind of people do you teach in your art workshops? And I'm like, people. everybody. <laughs> so like, every, you know, all the art. But I mean, is it, it depends on... Visual? Is it like I guess and crafty? Is like people were making jewelry and shit? Everything. The one thing that... Um, what doesn't? Um, is it something? Is it something that you think maybe people should do or haven't done or are doing that you don't feel really about? It's all about how you sell yourself. It doesn't even matter about the medium so much. It, it doesn't. Not so I can really. Because do you can. There's a guy. There's a guy who makes robot music, and he writes really good grants. And most of the people on the board don't understand his art because it's automated and stuff like that. But his grants are so good that you're like, he answered all the questions, he meets all the criteria, he's lawyered his way through this entire application, and there's no way for us to score him bad because, I mean, he explained what his art form is, and you may not like it or appreciate it when you listen to it, but he made the case that it's art, you know? And there's other folks... Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It really is just about how you kind of sell your artwork. Because sometimes there's really great artists, and if you write a, a bad grant, they're like, well, I wish the artist would have done what we told them to do <laughs> in writing, because, yeah, we're a fan of their work, but they didn't say anything with their words, so we can't give money to someone who didn't say anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or who just expected to get get through based on you know, quality they, they alone. Because they like, my art is great. I got this. Were you, were you on the panel and they reviewed Poetry Motion Grant? No. Okay. 
Like they sent me the thing but I didn't even What's poetry in motion? That's, that's, that's your thing you did, right? Yeah, that was the thing with the breakdancing and the poetry. And the, the slam it was, was breakdancing jam slash poetry slam. You got did you get denied? Yeah, we got denied. I don't know. We were we were kinda rushed. Do you know why? I mean, I don't know. There was a lot in the grant. Like there was like, holy crap, we're doing a lot and we need a lot, but yeah, like give me a thousand bucks. Like it'll cover a little bit of something. <laughs> this amazing thing that we're all trying to do. It was just too much, like I think. Yeah, and less is more sometimes too. Like yeah. especially for people who are just getting into if you're like if you're not already well known, sometimes less is way more. Because, like, my mistake on one of the first state arts board grants that I did was, I think, they, I mean, I knew they were going to knock me down on my work sample, and I got a really bad panel because they didn't read any of my stuff, and I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to the recording, and I was like, they just misquoted me and evaluated me based on the quote they made up. You right. know? And you can't go backwards because they can't get the volunteers back and blah, blah. But the, um, shoot, yeah, less is more. So, like, if as long as you can... Give them your best, or give them something that's coherent, that fits the story. That's all you need to submit, work sample-wise, right? Okay, you, you said stuff about, like, things that they asked for. Is there a generalized list, so to speak, that anyone can take to any organization here in town and say, okay, these are the... Everybody has different criteria, but usually quality is the top. And that's usually like a 50% thing. If you don't make it on quality, then they won't evaluate the other two. Some have different like percentages, but that's 50% merit and feasibility. So that's like, can you do it? Does your resume demonstrate that you can do it? Does the way you are excited about this demonstrate you can do it? And um, yeah, past experience. And I, whenever I do grants, I like to make sure that I say that, like, I name drop. Like, you just name drop. Like, okay. I talked to this gallery, even if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> or just say, I've been in communication with multiple galleries that are intrigued by my idea. Right. You know, and that'll get you through on your feasibility stuff. I don't know if you should share that, because that's a little bit of cheating, but... You know, <laughs> and then you're um, about to quit. So, but, you know, the last thing I won't be allowed to serve on any of the board. <laughs> and the last thing is impact, right? Like, are you impacting the community and are you impacting yourself? Like, those are usually a, a question that they have. Those are the main criteria that you can bet most applications will have. And then, of course, the budget. Like, what are you going to use the money for? And some grants, you can if they have a word limit, you can sneak. Descriptions into the um, into the line item itself okay. because there's not usually word counts on budgets because <laughs> you're just listing all the stuff you need. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I was gonna go into that. Uh, I was gonna ask you about community. So most works have to have some impact sure on the community. The Make sure you define the community. Don't leave any questions to be asked. Like, even if it's a real specific small community, like. So not just the community at large. Yeah. Because the community. community. Yeah, that is a little bit stronger than just saying I want to help the community (laughs) with my human condition artwork. (laughs) Who? I want to help the human condition with my community. Because the community could be Nazis. The community could be. There are Nazis here. Community could be, you know. I want to help the. Uh, Traffickers, yeah. drug dealers. I want to help my community. They need help too. Huh? <laughs> they need help more than anyone. If you, you know, to really get down to it. You know? So it's kind of like uh. They really hurt me inside. It's, it's, it's kind of like uh, really. It's like. Specifying your audience. Yeah. Almost. Specify everything. Make it so they can't ask any questions. Like, no questions. Because if they can't ask questions, then they can't score you lower. Okay. You answered everything, and that was all they asked of you to do was to answer the question and make sure it fits what they want. With direct clarity. And a lot of the time, like, I've gotten decent enough at writing grants that like when I write grants I tend to be a little bit cocky and I'll like I'll throw criticisms of the grant 
process into my writing, which I wouldn't suggest doing right when... Oh, right? <laughs> yeah, you also like Bernard Hopkins, like, I, I got this fight one, you know what I mean? We're in round 10, we'll start yeah. dancing around on you. Oh, you suck. <laughs> like when I got into, I don't know if Mark told you, but I got into the final round for $20,000, wow. like a couple weeks back, but I kind of bombed it because it was a video interview, because of course the interviews were when I was on vacation okay. in the mountains. So the quality of the video and everything was bad. But they started asking me about, like, I made it all the way to the top eight. And then when I got to the interview, they started asking me questions that had nothing to do with what I, with what I applied for. So I got totally thrown off. And so they were like, it's not clear what your project was. And then at the end when they were like, do you have questions for us? And I'm like, it's not clear what your grant was about. Because <laughs> it's like... Sometimes their expectation is that like everybody understands what they're trying to get across and they're people again Work. Sometimes they don't make sense and you can write that in there You know if there's like something very obviously wrong with the grant process. Yeah, sometimes it makes you look really like a person They want to see in the community when you put a little jab in there or just like a little like by the way this was a really unnecessary part of this process or this made it really difficult for me to do it like you're not just you know coming in supplication like you're like hey like i'm a person who sees you know flaws and yeah. you know even asking for motherfuckers for money yeah yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah if you can spark their brains just to be like oh this is different like you're like a little bit more memorable it. yeah because i even with another grant that i helped someone write the other day you know her laptop is like is seven years old, maybe six, and I was like, just say it's almost a decade old, <laughs> and then she, you know, she's been having trouble with the application process, and I'm like, sneak that in your budget, like, she's getting a computer with her grant, and I was just like, say that you couldn't do this grant process because your laptop was such shit, you know, like, be real with them, like, I would apply for more grants, or my career would be further, however, I'm using outdated technology, which you know that's going to help me apply for other grants and I won't be coming to you every time I need money, you know? Like. So I would assume that uh, uh, most of these uh, places, they have resources to research what they want. How do you mean? So like, let's say, pick a random organization that gives so many grants. So I want to apply for that grant Maybe they have a website or resources in their offices where I can go and find out specifically what information they want to see in applying for the grant. Or should I just go apply and kind of wing it and hope I mm, is a trial and error? My suggestion is always like just talk to the staff because they're people and they want you to get funded, right? Okay. And it's probably a slight ego thing too for staff when they're able to help somebody and then that person gets funded. It's like, oh, I'm doing my job well, because it's their job. They, right. A lot of them have program officers who like, it's their job to fund the right people. And so if you go in and ask like all the specific questions, the staff themselves is not the one evaluating your grant. It's right. the, pan the volunteer panelists who don't know anything about that inter interaction you had with staff. Right. So you can be like, if I say this is the like, is the board gonna have an issue? And if they say yeah, then just don't, you know, don't put it in. So, so always. So in, you want to show your face. Yeah. In places. In person is always best. Um. Yeah. And even like, I got to this finals or whatever, and my plan is like in January when the final final just um, group of you know folks gets chosen. I'm gonna apply again, use the same application, but I'm gonna talk to them in the meantime and be like, so I made it all the way to the end, and y'all had like questions that weren't relevant to the application. Like, how do I tailor what I want out of this grant to your questions that are gonna be in this interview because it didn't make sense, you know? So like, even if you don't get it, go in and ask them like specifically, you know, what, just tell me what to do better, <laughs> you know? Or how do I make it so I match what you're looking for or use the right words? Because sometimes they can give you the right words too, you know? So um, from an artist standpoint, to uh, seeking grants for yourself, like when you first started, what were the mistakes you felt that you made in the beginning? 
Well, the funny thing is I've only ever applied for grants and gotten them for myself this, like, last couple of months. Yeah. So I got everything I applied for. <laughs> <in the last. laughs> Perfect. Because, <laughs> like, before I was too young, like, a lot of them have age limits. And a lot really? of them have, like... Yeah, just different restrictions that I was just never eligible for things. Or some of them were like, you can't be in college if you were going to apply for grants. Stuff like that. Huh. Depending on what their funders' like restrictions are. Because, yeah. This is money coming from corporations filtered into a foundation as their tax breaks. Right. And as such, it's kind of connected to, you know, whatever money bureaucracy exists in the United States. I, I, I was, I was uh, hesitant to ask, where's the money coming from? Yeah, it's from just horrible, it's dirty money. It's dirty money. <laughs> so, someone has it's put, from, it's put that money to, to good use. It's all from P. Diddy. Uh, and P. Diddy. it's not, it's like, the money is just a minor, minor, minor fraction of what like the corporation actually has, but it benefits the corporation because then they right. don't have to pay their taxes. They can just invest in kind of monitoring social movements and stuff like that, which is whatever. Like, that's a whole nother... So, <laughs> I'll never get a job at a foundation if I keep talking. Yeah. So, so but, but this is, this is I don't know, because uh, that, that kind of information is, is good for, to motivate people to apply. I don't know. Uh, so, at looking at that world and how it gets funded, so you, based on how you say it's funded, you don't see it like becoming scarce anytime soon. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, yeah, because nonprofits or foundations directly sort of, as much as they fund projects to go against capitalism and stuff like that, they are in partnership with that whole system. Yeah. Like there's a book that I'd be reading. <laughs> um, and it's is this, called... Is this neoliberalism? No, this is the... Revolution will not be funded? Ooh, yeah. yeah, the revolution will not be funded. Jordan Moses recommended it, and I read it, and I was like, Dah! my world, you know, because it was just basically talking about like all the ways that foundations and stuff have monitored and act like, the, the, you know, corporations act like there's not money to give to people and spread around to do stuff. Right. Um, and it waters down movements, essentially, because when you're applying for grants, you have to, a lot of the time, demonstrate that you're following within line with what the foundation's requirements are, which is what the corporation dictates to the foundation, right? Right. So, um, but you can get up, you can get by that a little bit, and that's what's the, I mean, kind of the fun of it. It's a game. It's a little bit of a game, because it's like, there's ways you can word things, but like that make things specific, but leave out other things. You know, have miscellaneous supply costs in your budget item after giving them a whole bunch of other specific costs. So then, where does that miscellaneous, you know, right. go? They don't know because they're just tracking what you said you spend it on, and a lot of them don't ask for receipts. Okay. After this interview, they probably. <laughs> no, no, they're, I doubt they're going to listen to this. Yeah. How many? How much Miri interview material is there out there? Like hours. <laughs> She's <laughs> telling all the secrets. Right, everyone's gonna dig way deep into. Huh. Um, Miri does an interview every day. Like, I, <laughs> her life is an interview. Her life is in a giant interview. You'll never find well, the damning material. To life as an artist. As a politician. Yes. Politician. That's yeah. the scary part. Yeah. Running for office? No, but it's just, it feels like <laughs> it sometimes. Yeah, I'm just like, enough people know you, and then with public art, like with that mural project, it's just been a little bit weird hearing the people compare it to those rocks or whatever that got spray painted and bounced. Wait, so people, people were mad about the rocks? Mm, the people who weren't mad about the rocks, the people who were mad at the police for washing the rocks. Oh. They were mad at me for painting the street because they're like, the city allows people to paint on the street, but they don't let us paint on rocks. And I'm like, well, I kind of went the bureaucratic way and I talked with the city and every fucking neighbor in that neighborhood to make sure everyone was okay with it. And then I asked them what they wanted paint there, painted there, you know. So it was a very different process. But 
than just running out with some spray cans on the skyline. Yeah, <laughs> which is graffiti, which is like, the, the culture of graffiti is impermanent, so they're not even a good graffiti artist if they're pissed off about their rocks being washed off, because that's what happens to graffiti. <laughs> right, what, what person was like, hey, you washed off my graffiti? Yeah. You dick. So, obviously, he's a person of some kind of privilege that was just like, this will be cool, and then they're like, oh, my stuff got painted. Like, that's not oh, fair. No, that's not fair. <laughs> so, so, like crime. So, basically, in your experience, there is no shortcut for the actual leg work. The, the jumping through hoops. Like, you just got to go out there and do it. I mean, there's... I mean, I'm sure you have discovered personally some loopholes yourself but that would probably work for you i don't know words are magic right words are magic so you can make anything happen with the right words and the funny thing about just the grant writing world is that's all it is is you put words on paper and then stuff appears like whatever you ask for appears as a result of those magic words you know and so that's the way i've always kind of looked at it and everything goes back to the words Everything, you know, like, and you have to, like, a lot of the time it's just making the case that, like, I don't know, that you're real. <laughs> real? Yeah, like, you're just a real thing, and that something is already, like, it's happening right now. Like, not being like, I hope, or my dream, or this is, like, I would really like, like, no, this is what's happening with your money that you already gave me in your head. Like, you know you want to fund me, so, okay. you know, it's a slight manipulation of words. Confidence. Yeah. Um, so how? Confidence, like, but not laced with cocky words. It's right. just kind of like. So you're seducing the grant committee. Yeah. So how has like has the the overall experience of being involved in that world like changed your perspective of the Lutheran Minnesota? Were there like eye-opening experiences? Uh, do you see like? the loop going in a certain direction or anything like that? Or? I feel like it's just, these answers get simpler and simpler because I feel like it, the only thing that it really opened my eyes to are like, it's just people, people and words, right? People and words. So like the panels and the foundations and everything, they're flawed people who are just as flawed as me. <laughs> just as flawed as anyone who applies, right? Like nobody is necessarily better that is looking at your stuff. And... I've just been fascinated too with this, the perception of power, you know, mm -hmm. people's perception that foundations and stuff have a lot of power when they're just, they're just non-profits with people, you okay. know, and. Part of a larger system of. Yeah, like I look at all the times that I've gotten in, in those boards and stuff to evaluate people or to do like interviews, because I've interviewed other panelists and I interviewed the executive directors and stuff. And looking at how nervous people get during interviews, even though I'm thinking of myself like, okay, I'm like what, 20, 21, 22, whatever, whenever I was when I did the interview. I'm like, I'm not really anybody to be afraid of, but people are still afraid because the title of like, panelist or board member is attached to you. Tribunal like Yeah. And I'm saying yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm in college, like don't mind me and they're just like oh, shaking in the room, like freaking out because you know, interviews give people anxiety and I'm just like, there's so much like people just have such a the the power dynamics you reinforce by being afraid, you know? Like, so so you would say that uh that phenomenon, like people end up intimidating themselves yeah. or not, they won't go through the process because they're intimidated. Yeah, I feel like structures and institutions and titles, all of those things are what hold a lot of artists back, is thinking that there's more power in these spaces than there actually is. Being in those spaces, I look at it and I'm just like, there's not, I mean, they got some power, but... So, so do uh, any of any of the people in these positions you ever see them like flex power on people or act like total assholes or not? Or they're just really like they just go with what they know. I haven't had a ton of bad experiences. The the worst experiences with power and institutions like that have have been the folks that will I'm trying to think of how to word it. 
they'll they'll say they're asking for you know feedback and stuff like that when they've already got the plan in their head of what they're gonna do. Those have been that's been the bulk of what I would consider flexing power. And I don't even know that they know that they're doing it. They just are going through the motions, feeling good about asking people about stuff, and then thinking that asking people or consulting, you know, communities of color or whatever is enough to, you know, still do what they want to do. I'm listening. Yeah, I listened. Okay, but I'm still going to do the thing. So they've already made up their mind. Yeah, like there's an example of a foundation here that called together a group of people of color to evaluate this training that they wanted to have, which I'm sure was, you know, something that they realized last minute that they had to do to get their funder to keep cons supporting them, right? right? And so they're like, okay, let's do this training. So they brought us all together. It was cool because Terry Moses was like, you're not bringing us together unless you pay us. Right. We're not just going to sit here and give you all our information. And so they ended up um, paying us for our time. Okay. And we sat in that room, and it was an organization that was their mistake and the reason for the meeting was that they asked for all the organizations that they were funding to um, provide equity statements in their future applications. And then probably one of the applicants was like, what's your equity statement? And the organization realized that they didn't have one and they were asking <laughs> everyone else, they were going to evaluate everyone else's equity statement when they didn't have one. And so that was their first mistake. So they were like, okay, we're gonna do some equity training here at the foundation talk to us all. We gave them feedback and we're like, two months isn't enough notice, first of all, for feedback on a training. Right. Second of all, this is not going to work. Don't do it. And we all right. just were like, flat out, don't do it. This is our advice to you. Like, you better be paying one of us or all of us to do this for you because the direction you're going is wrong. It's too and, much work for volunteers. Yeah, and we sat there in the meeting and we were just like, I hope, you know, like, the only way that we would know you were listening to us at this meeting and that you any of us would approve of this consultation process is if you cancel the training. And they were like, okay, we'll take that into consideration. <laughs> and, you know, they still, I'm sure, did their thing. And we were just like, we told them, we're like, this is how this is going to go. You're going to consult us like this. You're going to say you're going to follow up in a couple of weeks, but you're not going to. And then we're not going to hear anything else about this project or your equity, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they were like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And it did. That and it always work. does. Yeah. <laughs> So there's there's that aspect of it of like sometimes you get leaders who are just like yeah that I did I, I can check off to my funder that I did the thing and whatever that's it still do stuff the same way and those are the shitty ones but yeah mm. mm. I think I ran out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We can, Mark, we, can, you have any we can get better. Who does have power? Get, get better? Yeah. What do you mean who has power? It says no one has power. Words have power. That's it. Words have Word. power? We're yeah. pretty good at words. We are pretty dope. Yeah. With the steez. Yeah. yeah. There's yes. people like Kathy McTavish, who when she writes grants, like she's another one who does coding um, kind of stuff, an art, art form that's like not traditional art. But I don't know if you've seen her stuff. I have not, and you just put another question in my head. Uh, <laughs> Which I have yet to ask. What, what's the question? Uh, are there um, local artists you can see us collaborating with? No, I wanted to ask about other artists who've been through the process like, uh, that we could like talk to. But I don't, I don't know if I want to send out a whole list of names of people for a follow-up interview with you know other cats in the community. Like, like what, what what was their experience and things that we do? We don't need that. Mary's like that's. She covered I read everybody's stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm giving you all the, the tips and tricks of those folks. Yeah, we don't need them. Okay. So okay. Mary's the best artist out of all of them, anyways. But I mean, like Kathy McTavish is an example. She wrote her stuff kind of like Clockwork Orange, where you do it in another language. She wrote part of her grant in code, and we fund her stuff because it's just like sometimes you gotta make them feel like you're smarter than them. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just like wow, like they really are doing something that I, like. I want to read that grant. Yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a poet and she codes artwork, right? And yeah. so she does these Wait, visuals. She, she does what? She does coding. She does randomized like coding that creates visuals that just pop up for a moment and then they're gone forever. Okay. And so it's installation stuff with projections and then she writes 
poems, but sometimes the poems are randomized through coding and stuff like that. She's just a mad scientist, but oh, she Jesus. wrote some I of think them. I do want to talk to this person. What yeah. are you talking about? Does, doesn't she have a spot like right near the Snoop Dogg's tea shop? Or? Yeah, that's her sister. Oh, okay. McTavish Colting. Kathy Carey. You said yep, the, the Snoopy Fox? The Snoopy Fox tea shop. Snoopy Fox? Right across from Sarah's table. It's Jordan Moses' place to... To be all the time. Oh, is that, oh, that, that, is that, that, that his that, Jefferson People's House? That's his yeah. little headquarters? I guess. Yeah. It's like a Jefferson People's House with uncomfy chairs. And no coffee. No coffee? Only tea. Just tea. Only tea? It's gangster. I like tea. I like coffee, man. Uh, I'll go across all this. Yeah, I'll go to Sarah's table and then just get their coffee. You know? So Yeah, I like, I'll start with coffee and then ease into like tea. Like ease into tea to cool you down? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. coffee hard you like get crazy. Right, you were that, that. All right, crap. Well, I don't have any more questions at the moment. What are you doing with the podcast, or where does it go? Um, it goes on a podcast I already have called, it's on a site called Anchor. Okay. And Anchor is an app you can put on your phone. The sound quality is great for just being on the phone yeah. or device. Um, nice. Yeah, you've heard stuff on there. Because we uh, did, yeah. This The last one I did with Jordan. How did it turn out? I didn't listen to it, but... Oh, um, I was in the room. But I, I sent it to you. I know. I listened to it. How did it? You always gotta listen to it, goddamn. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, it, it turned out pretty nice. It was okay. Um, this one I'm just recording, and I can take recordings and post it on Anchor if I want. Right. But you mentioned to me uh, that you could possibly do different things with recordings. Yeah. With you can, our recording. So you can. I just record this one raw and let them maybe we can see if we can do different things with it because. Anchor is kind of like, it's a new site, it's not too many people that know about it, so it doesn't get a lot of traction, Yeah. unless you like share it on Facebook, right. and Twitter, and Instagram, and, Instagram, and you, you know, it doesn't get a lot of traction by itself, because I just, I didn't share it anywhere, I just posted it on Anchor, and no one has listened to it, but the most listens I ever got on anything I posted, shared or unshared, is like 50, huh, but... Yeah, the screw fell out of that. That's like, that's what being horribly inconsistent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so far I've been consistent since I got here. It's been last week and this week. So, next week. I guess Saturday. It's, uh, <laughs> it's podcast. podcast day. Yeah. yeah. I know when, I guess Wednesday is going to be, uh, performance day? Or what, art day? And, and we can, I guess we can do like little meetings at meetings. We, I want to. I think we can uh, work our way into hosting that thing, and imagine if we could uh, then start create flyers for it and like put our name on it and draw people into that. Nobody space. really hosts it right now, do they? I mean, there's a lady who hosts the poetry open mics on Thursday. Yeah, and that uh, she does that, but like you spoke, I just thought it was interesting that we did that, that we went to that open mic and. There was no host. No, there and, was no MC. There was no. And, and we seemed to be the most charismatic of people there. I mean, we were not. I mean, yeah, we saw how the Christian, the people were dressed. There was there was shit on everybody with the all white. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to we need to do that, but I, it's no, that I didn't mean flamboyant. Flamboyant. No, yeah. not flamboyant. We were very down to earth. We were and relatable. Sure. But there was energy. Yeah. Um, it's just an idea. We don't have to do that. Okay. What's your back doing? My back just cracked real nice, so. Ugh. Good stuff. Alright. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Very. For information. Really your greatest artist of the world and grandfather. Yeah, because you probably, you might want to add some of those up. I don't know.